0: I love the old hymn writer that wrote and sang, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene. Amen? I love being in the presence of God with the people of God. and We truly experienced that this morning. I am a firm believer that, folks, the truth is if I don't show up, you probably ain't going to lose much. But if he don't show up, we've lost everything. Amen? It's only by the power and presence of God the Holy Spirit at work in our midst that We can be changed to be what God wants us to be. Uh, Souls can be saved. Addictions can be broken. Families can be healed. All of that is made possible by His power. The church can never be effective without the power of God. And I'm thankful that He has uh, been with us here this morning in His manifest presence. I'm thankful that you can feel the Holy Spirit. Amen. Folks, you know that God is more than a feeling. We all need to understand that. But I want you to know also you can feel the Holy Spirit. You can feel His presence, and um, I'm thankful that we are in a church and this body of believers where God makes His presence known among us. How special it is! John chapter ten, verse number ten. Um, I know I had a lady tell me last week, last Wednesday night after service. He said, "She said, Brother Israel, how many favorite scriptures do you have? Because I'm I'm always bad to say, well, this is my favorite scripture." Y'all have heard that over and over again. I got a lot of favorites, I really do. I I love the Word of God. The Word of God is is truth and and speaks truth to my heart. And it has changed me and continues to change me. So uh, I have a great respect um, uh, for the Word of God, a a deep love for the Word of God. But um, I, I would have to say that John chapter 10 and verse number 10 has to be within my top three favorite verses. There's no doubt about that. Um, John 10 verse number 10 says this the thief comes not now how many of you know who the thief is well the thief is our enemy the thief is Satan himself and so the Bible says our enemy Satan himself Jesus calls him the thief comes not but for to steal to kill and to destroy how many of you understand that's exactly what Satan is up to. Now, he's been doing it for a long time. We have 6,000 years of recorded history in the Word of God. And for 6,000 years, Satan has been stealing, Satan has been killing, Satan has been destroying all that God wants to do in the lives of men, women, boys, and girls. And listen, he's done his job for a long time and he does it well. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy Look, folks, I want you to know he wants to kill your marriage. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to steal your witness. He wants to do everything he can to keep you from being what God wants you to be, what God has planned for you to be. Satan is a thief. He's a liar. Jesus calls him that. Then the Bible says in the next part of this verse, and this is really what I want to talk to you about this morning. Really, we're going to be talking about this all day. It says, I am come that they... May have life. Everybody say life. Jesus makes the promise, I have come into this world to give life. I love that. How many of you understand this morning, Jesus came to do for you and for me what I cannot and could not do for myself. That's true for you as well. He came to give me life. Yet, now, I want you to think about that just a moment because when I was reading this verse and studying for this message this week, um, that, that brought a question to my mind, and I hope it did to yours as well. When Jesus came, uh, born as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem, and uh, he grew up and lived his life here on earth and for three and a half years ministered upon this earth uh, doing things that only God in the flesh could do, in, in all that time... How I many of you know, before Jesus came to this world, before he stepped foot on earth, people was walking around, they were talking, uh, they were laughing, sometimes they were singing. I mean, they were living. Can you say amen? So how is it said in John chapter 10, and verse number 10, Jesus says, I am come that they might have life. Were people not alive when Jesus came and walked upon this earth the first time? Well, let me say it like this. They were physically alive, but spiritually dead. They were existing, but they weren't really living. They were going through the motions just like... I once did before I met Christ. I mean, I did the things that men do and tried to get by the best way I knew how. knew how. But I want you to know, I really never knew what life really was or how life was truly to be lived until I became a a, a follower of Christ, until I trusted in Jesus as my personal Savior. How many of you believe this morning you can never really know how life is to be lived until you know the creator of life? And so Jesus said, I have come. God came in the flesh. Jesus was God the Son and and the Son of God. Listen, He came to give life. And then He says, he He takes it a step further. He says, I have come that they might have life and life more abundant. This morning, I want to talk to you about the abundant life. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for abundant life. Thank you for the truth of your word. I'm thankful that today, Lord, that we can trust in what you say. Father, we can place our faith in what you say, and the Bible says it changes us. I'm thankful that it has changed me and that it continually changes me. And, Lord, I'm asking you right now that through your power by the person of the Holy Spirit, would you have your way and your will in this place? Would you speak to me and speak through me? your words to your people. Fill me up by your power and pour me out for I cannot do what needs doing in, in my own power and ability. I need you to do the work this morning. Lord, I know you're able. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. When you think of abundance, what do you think of? What well, what pops in your mind when you think of abundance that is spoken of here in John chapter 10 in verse number 10. Well, if you looked it up in the Webster's, you would find that abundant means existing or available in large quantities. It means to have plenty of something, and usually that's how we think about abundance. That's how the world thinks about it, and, and, and that would be a right definition uh, for the world. For how we see things as human beings, uh, we would definitely say that's abundance. To further illustrate that point, I brought for you today three pictures. Now, um, I've heard it said that pictures are worth a thousand words, and I believe that to be true. A lot of times, if you can see... Um, what's being spoken of or, or, or what's being said that makes much more sense to you. So today I want to show you these three. Brother, do you have those ready for me? All right, look, show me the first one there of the, uh, uh, there you go. If you're a gardener, and some of you are, I know you've been talking about that as of late. You've been working in your garden and doing what needs to be done. Or if you like to eat, that probably looks like abundance to you. That's an abundant harvest. Um, if you're a gardener, for sure. I'm not much of a gardener, but I'm certainly a good eater, and so that looks like abundance to me. I, I see that. Uh, that would be a picture of abundance. L- let's go to the next one. I really like this one. I think it'll speak to everybody. Um, this is uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. Can you say amen to that? Now, now, let me tell you what's just happening out there, because I've seen this took, take place before. They have just came down that golden river of goodness. Have you ever saw it? And the Krispy Kreme donut shop, they come floating down that river and get up on that uh, uh, conveyor belt. And as they're going down the conveyor belt, in this picture, they just come in under the glazing machine. And all of that goodness just flows right down on it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so that is um, abundance, hot and fresh abundance is what this is. And. All of us know a little bit about that, but now I brought this next one for my Auburn friends. I think you'll really like this one. Show that next picture, please. That is a picture <laughs> of sixteen national championship rings for the University of Alabama. Can I get an amen? And thank you, Brother Lynn. I knew he was gonna give me one. <laughs> so listen, that that's abundance, and 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 that and that is a, a, a plenty of something. You have more than enough. You have. Uh, All that you need. And and that would mean abundance, the way the world sees things. But now I want you to understand, in John chapter 10, in verse number 10, I think Jesus is speaking about much more here. There's much more going on than just quantity. See, how many of you know there's a lot of difference between quantity and quality? Quality. And I think in John chapter 10, Jesus is not as much speaking of the quantity of life or the quality of stuff we obtain throughout our life, but the quality of life that we truly possess. There's a quality of life that Jesus offers, and I think that's what He means when He says, Abundance. Now, there's no doubt about it. He blesses us with quantity, too, and and we're so thankful for that. But there's more to it. There's more to life than what you can get or what you can keep or what you can lose. Quality of life. Now, some people believe that simply because you live a long time that you have abundant life. I had a gentleman just uh, last week at my workplace he was speaking to me, a good friend of mine, he said, I want you to really be praying for a family in my neighborhood. Um, her, the, the grandmother of the family just passed away this week, and he said, man, she lived a long, good life. And, and I don't doubt my friend, and, and I'm, I certainly didn't want to discourage him. I would never do that. I, I didn't want to make him doubt anything as, as far as something I said, by, by no means. But when he said that, I, I, asked, I thought within myself, I wonder if it was really good. Now, I don't know the lady, don't know who she was, wouldn't know if she was standing here this morning, but that, that, that question came to my mind. Because how many of you know this morning, you can live a long life, but don't, it, it may not be an abundant life. You can live a long time, but that don't necessarily, necessarily mean that, that uh, you've got a good life. That could just mean you've been miserable for a long time. Are you getting me? About two years ago, I had a lady call me, and she wanted me to come and visit her husband. The family were, was very concerned about him, one of the sweetest woman, women I've ever been around. She said, I want you to come and visit my husband. We've just got some terrible news from the doctor. Uh, they said that he only has two weeks to live. And, um, and, and they were right. And two weeks after I went and visited this man, he went on um, and left this walk of life. He died. And she said, Is, his cancer's terminal. The doctors have said nothing they can do, and he don't know Jesus. Would you go share your faith with him? And I said, yes, I will. And so I prayed about it and, and, and sought the Lord over this, prayed and fasted. And so the, the next evening, matter of fact, I went to talk to him. I walked up to the door, rang the door. Well, he uh, welcomed me in his house and was nice enough. You know, we had done a little small talk there in the living room. And in the course of that conversation... I brought up my faith and what I believe about Jesus and why we need Jesus and who Jesus is. And in the middle of that, I asked him, I said, can I share some scripture with you? And I had my Bible in my back pocket. He said, no, I wouldn't care to hear, hear of any scripture. He said, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you what you can do. You can take your Bible, you can leave my house because I want nothing to do with your God. I've never in my life met anyone that was more cold and callous to the gospel and the things of God than that man. And he was two weeks from dying. The doctors were right. Two weeks later, he left this walk of life. So cold, so callous. He was in his early 80s. He had lived a good long life. But how many know he didn't have abundant life? If you could have heard him that day and been in the room that day, you would have saw that that man was miserable with himself. He was miserable with people, and he was certainly miserable with God. He was bitter, and he was cold. He'd lived a long time, but he didn't have abundant life. Now, on the flip side of that coin, just last week, many of you may have heard that um, Mount Zion Baptist Church from Huntsville, Alabama, had a terrible accident. They were on their way to Africa on a summer mission trip and their bus was traveling from Huntsville to Atlanta to the airport and on the way, um, the church bus wrecked and a 17-year-old girl lost her life. That's terrible. Now folks, I want to tell you something. That young lady may not have had a long life but I tell you this, she had an abundant life. You said, brother, how do you know that? Well, last night, my wife read um, an entry that was put in her journal while she was riding on that bus. She was on her way to the airport and she began writing in her diary and her mother posted it on Facebook and Brandy read it to me last night. And this young lady of 17 years old began talking about how she was scared about going to Africa and she didn't know what to expect or what she was going to find when she got there. But she knew God had a great purpose and plan for her going to to Africa. And she was reading in the book of 1 Peter and saw that God spoke to her right from His Word and showed her that she had purpose in being there, that He was going to use her. And in that journal entry, She put, I want to give God all I've got for as long as I've got. Not knowing that just moments later she was going to leave this walk of life. Just 17. Now a lot have lived longer, but I'm going to say few have lived better. This young lady had abundance, a quality of life, even though She was not here for very long. Now let me tell you, don't feel sorry for her. This morning, you don't have to mourn that young lady. She's with her Jesus. Can you say amen? She's in the presence of God where she will forever be. And you don't have to mourn her. We shouldn't mourn her. I wouldn't want her to come back to this world if she could. Now we certainly going to mourn her parents. Mourn with her parents. Mourn with her church. I certainly mourn with her pastor this morning. We're praying for them. We want to pray for them. We're going to continue praying for them. But I'm telling you today, that young lady had really experienced what life is all about. She knew life was about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. She knew life began with Christ. Christ. I must ask you the question this morning, are you existing or are you really living? Quantity of years does not mean quality of life. It's not about the quantity you have, but the quality you have. Some people equate abundance with riches. Now let me first of all tell you this morning, I, I think for a, lot, a lot, long time, money was demonized in the church and that's wrong, shouldn't be. Matter of fact, I want to say this, there's nothing wrong with you making all the money you can make. Matter of fact, I think you ought to make all the money you can make. I think you ought to save all the money you can save. I think you ought to give all the money you can give. That's the purpose of money. You know that, don't you? According to the Word of God, there's nothing wrong with you making money or having money. God's not against you making money or having money. I want you to know as your pastor, I'm certainly not against you making money or having money. Let me tell you what I'm against. I'm against you making money but never tithing off of it. See, then we got a problem. I mean, we got we got to understand and realize that God has blessed us so that we might therefore be a blessing to others. We got to realize that we are to be a conduit through which the blessing of God flows. And as God sees that you are a conduit through which His blessing flows, I'm going to tell you what He'll do. He'll give you more blessing. I've seen that in my life, time upon time upon time. So there's nothing wrong with with making money or or, or having money. God's not against that. But what God is against, what you need to be against, is your money having you. Amen? A lot of people think, man, if I can just make all the money I can make, I'm going to be as happy as I can ever be. That's what I need. That's what I want. That's what they strive for. That's what they give everything for. And then when they get all the money they can spend, they're still not happy. There's still no abundance. They still don't have that quality of life that they were uh, originally searching for. God's not against you having money or making money. But He is against your money having you and we ought to be against it as well. Why is that? Folks, because money can buy you stuff but it can't make you happy. And money and stuff... Don't last. I was reading just this past week in preparation for this message about a man by the name of Johnny Depp. Many of you probably know him. Johnny Depp is a very well-known actor. He uh, was Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean, if you've ever saw that. I know that's um, something I've watched with my children. But Johnny Depp uh, has made $650 million in the movie business. Think about that just a moment. That's over a half a billion dollars this man has made. And now, as of today, he's flat broke. He is so broke, he's had to fire his agent, his bodyguards, and his accountants. Johnny Depp has 14 houses, an island in the Bahamas, and 45 luxury cars. And let me tell you what I think that means, what I know it means. That money that he made could not bring him contentment. Couldn't bring him abundance. He was still searching for more. Amen. Do you remember Brother Johnny Mays when he was here with us a week before last? He talked about all the rivers run to the ocean, but the ocean's never full. Those who are not, are not in right relationship with God can never be made content no matter how much stuff they acquire. This man went and bought his first house, and I'm sure it was a very nice house. I've never saw it, but I would guess it would be if he had $650 million. (laughs) And so he had that house for a while, and after the new wore off and the excitement wore off and the notoriety wore off, then he had to have that feeling again. So guess what he went and did? He went and bought another house. And then when that newness wore off and that excitement wore off and that notoriety of having this big house wore off, he had to go buy another one. Then he had to go buy another one. Same thing with the car. He had 45 of them, luxury cars, worth hundreds of thousands of dollars apiece. Why did he have to have all that? Because nothing brought contentment. Nothing finally filled him up that empty space that was on the inside of him. And he made all the money he could make and still was not content. Why? Money's not the answer. Riches are not the answer for abundant life. Nothing wrong with having them, but that in and of itself is not going to bring you the abundance Jesus speaks of in John chapter 10. You know, Solomon wrote about this. Turn your Bibles over to Ecclesiastes. I love reading the writings of King Solomon. The Bible calls him the wisest man who ever lived. And if there's one thing we all need, it's a little wisdom. So I think we'd do well to read the writings of King Solomon. In the book of Proverbs, he's a young man that is under the direction of God Himself, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, He writes for us what a young man needs to know, what all men need to know. The book of Proverbs is a fantastic book. But let me tell you something else. Ecclesiastes is written by an old man. It's now looking back on his life and giving advice on what we should do and what we shouldn't do and what really matters and what really don't matter. And so I would encourage these two young men that are gradu- that have just graduated to read the writings of King Solomon, not just them, but all of us, because, folks, they are important. Now in Ecclesiastes chapter two, starting with verse number four, he says something about the riches we gain in this life. He says, "I made me great works, I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made my gardens and orchards, and I planted trees and all of kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water. note to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth the trees." Now what's he saying? He said he didn't just have houses, he had attractions. He had attractions that people would would uh, come from miles to see. That would ride about in his day and are still being spoken of in our day. That's what Solomon did. He did these great works. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasure of kings and of pro- provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the lots of the sons of men as musical instruments. And, and he said I had all the Things look what he says in verse 9. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Verse 10 and whatsoever mine eyes desired, he said, I if I saw something I wanted, I had the money, so I just bought it. whatever I desired, I just got. He says, and I kept not from mine eyes what they wanted, I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of my labor. Then look at verse 11. This is so sad. He said, Then I looked on all the works that thy hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity. You know what vanity means? It means worthlessness. It means nothing. He said, when I gained all of these things, when I had all this money and all these possessions and all these places that I had built, I looked back on all of it, and he said, in the grand scheme of things, I saw it really didn't mean a thing. Do you see that? Riches and wealth don't bring abundance. Money and stuff don't bring abundance because money and stuff do not last. Some people say, well, they equate abundance with having knowledge. I'm going to get a good education and I'm going to do well in life and let me me say again, Folks, listen to me. A good education is a good thing. I'm all for a good education. If you can gain a good education, that's what you need to do. It's going to help you throughout your life. There's no doubt about that. I'm certainly not against it. Uh, just last December, I finished my fourth year over at the Mississippi Baptist Bible College. I went back to school to get an education. Amen. I went to cemetery. I mean uh, seminary. I swear I went. I was, I was glad to do that. I was thankful to do that. That helped me to be a better pastor. Helped me to do better in what God has called me to do. Nothing wrong with getting a right education, a good education from the right things and the right people. Nothing wrong with that. But that in and of itself is not going to bring you abundance. How many of you know we are more educated today than we've ever been in the history of mankind, and we're in the worst shape we've ever been in? Our world is full of educated fools. I'm telling you. Education cannot be the answer. Solomon wrote about that. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and starting with the 12th verse. He says in Ecclesiastes 1... Verse number twelve. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. Watch what he says in verse thirteen. And I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. He said, I did everything I could do to gain all the knowledge of man that I could. I could gain. He says, This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under under sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. He said, In the end, it really didn't mean a whole lot. Verse fifteen. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. I love how he puts this. And then he says, And that which is wanting cannot be numbered. He said, There's a lot of things I found out that my human wisdom just could not fix. And I saw that there was more that needed doing that I could do. Amen? Wow. None of these things are bad things. But none of them brings the abundance Jesus offers it really doesn't i remember when we were in haiti folks i saw some folk brothers and sisters in jesus who just loved the lord and walked in the joy that only jesus brings it was amazing it was infectious when i got down there i told brother sean Doss that uh, 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 that that we go with. I said, brother, I, I came down here to minister unto these people. I said, I don't need to bring these people what I got. I need to take home what these people have. And he said, believe me, I see that everywhere I go. Now, these were some brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm telling you, that had little to nothing Some of them didn't have a place to lay their head. Some of them didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Some of them, the only clothes they had was what was on their backs, if they had any on their backs. That's how they lived. They had no possessions as far as the world sees things. But I'm telling you folks, I have never in my life experienced a more joyful people. We got there on a Saturday evening and that Sunday morning we went and had church with them. We were laying in the bed. I was laying in the bed at 7 o'clock and I could hear them over there singing. I'm talking about singing and praising Jesus, and we finally got up, had breakfast at 8. They still out there singing and praising Jesus. We ate our breakfast, got ready to go to church, got there about 9.30, our whole group. When we got there, they still singing and praising Jesus. This has been going on since 7. Then our brother Sean got up and preached. Then we had a testimony service that lasted for over an hour. You say, brother, what do they got to testify about? They didn't have a home to live in or food to eat or clothes to wear. I'll tell you what they're testifying about. The goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. How he had delivered them from the bondage of sin. How he had caused them to miss hell and gain heaven. They were absolutely enamored by Jesus. And I saw right then riches, wealth, education, all of those things, even though they're good things, that's not what gives you the abundance those people had. Because they didn't have any of that. They knew Jesus, and He had made all the difference. Today, it's going to be my purpose. We sure ain't going to do it this morning, but I want to share with you five keys to abundant living. It's probably more than five, but I know there's five i will give you all of them this morning. Then I'm just going to talk about one of them for just a minute. We'll be done. First, the first one I want you to notice is, is the personal relationship with Jesus himself. Then we need to pray continually. Then we need to prioritize time for God's word. Then we need to purpose to serve. And last but certainly not least, we must praise abundantly. If you want abundant life, that's where it's found. But it starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. A lot of times what happens, people try to get the cart before the horse. They think, well, my my life's not where it needs to be. I'm not where I need to be. I know there's something missing deep down the inside. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to start coming to church. And man, I'll sing the song. I'll pray the prayer. Heck, I might even teach the class or preach the sermon. But folks, let me tell you something. Don't get the cart before the horse. The first thing you need and the first thing I need as a sinner standing in need of a Savior, i need a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. There's a lot of people who darken the door of a church every week. Week in, week out. Month in, month out. Year in, year out. Decade in, decade out. Throughout their life. And they've never been born again. They're going through the motions. But there's nothing real and abundant within them. There's nothing life-changing happening. That's not, listen to me now, not just making a difference at church, but like the brother said a while ago, wherever we are. That's the real test. And let me say this. Don't hang hang your hat on on a prayer you prayed 50, 60, 70 years ago. What's Jesus doing in your life today? That's the real evidence. How is He still changing you? What does your life look like when you put it up next to the standard of the Word of God? The Bible says in 1 John 5, 12, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. The first step, the first key, and you having the abundant life that Jesus offers, do you know Him as your personal Savior? Has there been a time when you trusted in Him and you knew you were born again? You knew He changed you. You knew He did that supernatural work that only He could do. Salvation is not about us just cleaning up the flesh. It's not about us just quitting things. I love Chuck Swindoll. He told a story one time about being at his grandfather's house as a small boy. He said he was walking around his grandfather's farm as a small boy. And he said that he had been raised, he knew what the Bible says. He knew what God's Word said. He said he had always been taught that the, you're a child of God. If you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't dance, you don't go out with girls. Who do? He said that's what he thought a Christian was. And he said one day he was sitting on his grandpa's front porch and he, there was an old hound dog named Clyde laying out in the yard. And he said the Holy Spirit of God spoke something to him. And he said he began to realize that by the definition of Christianity that he knew, Clyde was just as much a Christian as anybody else. He didn't do all the things that we consider bad things. So he must be a Christian. Folks, listen to me. It's more than just quitting things. It's more than just starting things. What has God done in your heart? Do you know that you know that He's changed you? On the inside, and it's made a difference on the outside. Are you bearing the fruit of the good tree? Go with me to Galatians chapter 5 just a moment. Watch this. The Apostle Paul outlines for us in verse number 19, the works of the flesh. He says, if you are continually, as a pattern of your life, living these ways, then you really can't say that you've been born again by the Spirit of God. Look what, look what he says. He says, now these are the works of the flesh and how they're manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and the such likes of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And what he's saying is, if this is the pattern of your life, if there's never been any change from this, he's not saying that the child of God can't from time to time fall into those things, because they can. And God offers forgiveness. Folks, we all need the grace of God today, just like the the day He saved us. Even the child of God can fall into these things. But as a pattern of your life, you're not going to stay there. God is going to continually convict your heart. To change you to be what Christ has saved you to be. If you've truly been born again. If you think you can just go out and live however you want to live. And just because you prayed a prayer and went through a baptistry years ago. And there's never any conviction in your life whatsoever. Then it's hard for you to say according to the word of God you've truly been born again. You say brothers don't you believe once saved? Absolutely. If you've been once saved. Sure, but don't cheapen grace. If your view of grace is I'm going to go out and do whatever pleases the flesh, if it makes me feel good, I'm going to do it. Then I'll come back and get uh, forgiveness. If that's your view of grace, I highly doubt whether you've ever truly experienced the amazing grace of God. Jesus changes your desire. He puts a newness within you. And if you can't see that, you need a personal relationship with him. That happens by grace through faith. You need to trust in him today. That's the first step. Let me ask you this. Do you know that you've done that? Do you know that you know that you've been born again into God's family? <laughs> I'm not asking if you know about Jesus. I'm not asking if you come to church. I'm not asking if you've been baptized 15 times. I'm asking, do you have peace in your heart in knowing you've been born again? If there's no peace, folks, there's no Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. When I trusted in Him, He brought a peace that hadn't left. Today, if you don't know, get right. It's a serious business. Not only does it affect your life here, it affects your life throughout all eternity. You want abundant life? Man, you can have it. You don't know how life is to be lived on this earth? You can have it. You want, uh, listen, eternal life? And by the way, abundant life is eternal life. If you want all that, you can have it. Jesus said, I came to give it to you. But you got to know him. You got to know him. Everybody stand together. If you're here today and you're lost and you know what, today is a day of salvation. Trust in Him. Trust in Jesus. I'll tell you this. If you will come humbly before the Lord, the same Savior who saved me, who changed me, can and will change you you tired of being where you are? You're tired of not being content even though you've tried everything the world has to offer? I've been there too. Why are you waiting? I've got the answer. I can tell you because of what He's done for me. Folks, if He can save me, He can save anybody. And He's still in the saving business this morning. You want abundant life, it's available, but it's found only in Jesus. He's the answer. Life can only be lived God's way if you know God. You can only know God through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's done everything needed. Won't you trust Him this morning? Don't wait today. If you need Christ, this is your invitation. Now walk in this aisle don't save you, I certainly can't save you. This church can't save you. But I'll tell you this. If you will get real with Christ today, He'll get real with you. If you'll do business with Him, He'll do business with you. If you need Him today, you come. Maybe you are saved, you just want to come pray for someone. You want to come pray for a special need. If I can pray with you or help you in any way, please let me know. Whatever you need today, He's able, He's willing to do what's needed right here this morning. Don't wait. Don't wait.